The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. <clears throat> I'm noticing that my voice sounds a little soft and scratchy today, so it's a good thing we have a microphone. <laughs> my name is Maria Stratman, um, and I think you'll be na- back next week. So, so uh, I had a plan for what I was going to talk about this morning, and then it all seems so dry. <laughs> and yesterday, I encountered two things that I found really inspiring, really inspiring. I went to see Georgia O'Keeffe at the De Young, and I went to a, a jazz concert last night with Hugh Masekela. So both of these events are really strong in my mind at the moment. So I'm going to try to blend them with this really dull, dry talk that I prepared for you. <laughs> so th- you could use a dry talk this morning. That, <laughs> that might be useful, but that was good. <laughs> so, um, so what I was intending to talk to you about this morning had to do with um, the end of suffering, and that we tend to think about getting better at things, you know, and, and letting go. If we let go of things, then, you know, everything's going to be better, right? And uh, I ran across an idea when I was reading uh, a book on mindfulness by Joseph Goldstein recently. He has a new book out. And he talked about non-addiction. And I kind of like that idea because non-addiction is just, it's not the antithesis of addiction. It's just not picking something up, right? Something about the, the way we talk about letting go of suffering sounds like we want things to be different than they are and, and that we're, there's a stink of pushing things away to that. When really what we want to do is notice the habits that we have, the habits of mind that we have that cause us to react a certain way to what things arise in our lives. And be free of the compulsion to be like that all the time. <laughs> that compulsion to, oh, oh yeah, that's just me doing that. I know what that is. I'm going to do that. Now, we don't think of ourselves as addicted, usually. But I invite you to think about all the ways, all the opinions you have about yourself that are addictions. This is how I am. This is how I am. This is just me doing this thing I normally do. This is an addiction to what is familiar. Oh, yeah, I know this. I recognize this. Uh, One of the things that I found uh, inspiring about the Georgia O'Keeffe exhibit is that it it took a particular period of her life, which was uh, just in in the 1920s when she was painting, and there were paintings from Lake George that she did in the summertime. She lived in New York, and she did these paintings in the summertime. And she... um, at the same time, she was married to Alfred Stieglitz, who was a photographer, and he took all of these really sensual, sexual pictures of her that he sold and displayed. And everybody had in their minds that she was this sexy, sensual person, and so they interpreted her paintings, her abstract paintings, as sexy and, and all Freudian. And she was so upset 
that she stopped painting that way and started making sure that everything was representational. And this proceeded for a good part of her life. And then years later, after Stieglitz died, she left New York, she never went back to Lake George, and she moved to Taos, New Mexico. And she said, you know, now my art is like walking on the edge of a knife. And I know I'm going to fall off one way or the other, but so what? At least I'm doing what I want. And I thought about that. You know, we, we're always so sure that we think we know what is good. If I do this, then I'm going to be a better person. And we have this idea about what good looks like what I'm going to look like when I'm my perfect self. This is a terrible burden. This is a terrible burden. What we really want is to be able to walk on that, that knife edge without knowing, without knowing, and knowing that we're going to fall off or not, and be able to say, so what? It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't even matter what I think. It doesn't even matter what I think. <laughs> this is good, this is bad, this should be better. This, right? It just is. Oh, look what happened. I'm not advocating irresponsibility here. What I'm advocating is that we just stop picking up all the judgments about life, about us, about what's, what's good and what's bad. You know, when the Buddha was teaching his son Rahula, what he said is, when you've acted or spoken or thought in a skillful way and you haven't harmed anybody, notice that and then cultivate it. (laughs) Notice when things are good, when things are joyful. You actually don't have to be miserable to do this practice. That's the whole point, is to give up suffering. But we have to train ourselves to notice in the present moment, oh, this is what happened. Oh, this is what happened. We have these, um, we have these compulsions. I'm going to give you an example. So last week, somebody, uh, I met somebody new, and she said, oh, and what did you used to do for a living? You're retired now. What did you do? And so I said, well, you know, I was a pioneer in this. I actually didn't even say that. I said, have you ever heard of this field? And she said, oh, yes, my best friend was the inventor of that field. I said, oh, really? Who's that? Thinking, ah, you know. And so she tells me this person who is somebody I actually knew. No. He worked for someone who worked for me. He was, I mean, I knew him. And, and he wasn't. The, 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 the technology had been developed and commercialized long before this guy came on the scene. And so what I noticed, this isn't about this guy, because I don't know what he said. This is just what his friend said, right? So it isn't about this guy. It is about my reaction to it. Immediately, competition came up, and righteousness, and all the, the, uh, this, I've got to make this right. And I noticed the rising of that reaction that had to do with something that occurred, you know, 20, 30 years ago, not like yesterday. It's in a field that I'm, I, I'm 
you know, I'm interested in it, but it isn't like it's current for me. But the reaction was right there and very immediate. And I noticed the arising of that reaction, and I noticed the, that I, I noticed it and said, oh, and I noticed the energy associated with that reaction. And then I said, oh, and then I got very sad that I still had that reaction, <laughs> right? Judging, judging. Um, but it's an addiction. Within the context of what I used to do for a living, which was a very competitive environment, that's what came up for me. And I was so shocked. And then I was sad that that still happened. And then I said, okay, sadness came up and it left too. I did not actually have to tell the woman what I thought of her opinion. I did not have to correct her opinion in self-righteousness. All of that, I actually became distracted by my own reaction, and I didn't pick up the reaction. That is, I, because I was involved in the mindfulness of what was going on with me, I no longer had the reaction. Does this make any sense to you? I no longer felt competitive. I no longer needed to do any of that. That is non-addiction. That is just not picking it up. It isn't pushing it away or fighting it. I wasn't fighting the reaction. Just, oh, that was the reaction. Noticing, interesting. Uh, But it did not stick. That's what I mean by non-addiction. It was there, it came up, but it wasn't me, it just was there. And as long as I didn't go running off with the story, it was gone. We're addicted to all kinds of things in our life. Food, sex, drugs, comfort, beautiful surroundings, nature. This is what feels right, right? Familiar. These are addictions. We should notice this. We go, oh, look at me. I'm really into this one. <laughs> I'm not making it a bad word here. It's the non-addiction. It's the, oh, I can see it without picking it up and making it mine and putting it in my pocket and carrying it around with me all day. I have a one-year-old grandson, and he was taught when he wanted something to do like this, you know, I want milk. It's, you know, it's like a sign language they teach babies now. I want milk, right? So he does this little grasping things with his hand. Well, it didn't take him long to discover that he could do that and get other kinds of food. He could do that and get toys. He could do that and, you know, I want to go outside. He just, you know, this little squeezing thing. And what I noticed over the weekend is sometimes you'd pick him up and he'd start doing this. I'm not even sure he knew he wanted something. Or what he wanted. I sure didn't know what he wanted. But it became a... Wanting is kind of pleasurable. You know, it's kind of... uh, I want. There's something pleasurable about that wanting. And when I would turn him around, he'd stop squeezing the hand. And I'd turn him back, and he still wasn't squeezing the hand. Because he let go of it. He actually wasn't addicted to whatever it was. He liked wanting. Now, I'm projecting all of this. The poor child doesn't speak yet. But it was interesting to watch, you know? I want, I want. <laughs> it disappeared. I don't, he, he, was up, he was past the wanting. So now, now I want to tell you about 
um, Hugh Masekela, who's 75 years old. He's a trumpet player, if you don't know him. And you may have originally heard him if you were young enough. <laughs> uh, his first breakout song was Grazing in the Grass, which was something in the 60s. Da, da, and I'm not going to sing it. Okay, so anyway, uh, and he was, he's South African, and he was very involved with the anti-apartheid movement, and he was a very strong activist and a really terrific trumpet player. So here's this 75-year-old man, and he was up there. His, you know, his trumpet's not as great as it used to be. He's 75, right? But the man sang. He grasped every moment of life. He was happy. He was enthusiastic. His band was tight and great, and he was having a ball. He was having a really wonderful time. And the reason I found this inspiring is it reminded me that practice isn't about finding all the things that are wrong with you and fixing them. Practice is about being in this moment, just totally, completely in this moment. And how joyful that can be, how truly joyful that can be to just be in this moment. And how happy everybody in that building was because he insisted that everybody else be in this movement too. He kept saying, all right, everybody, come on. You know, he was, he, the, the performance was not just him. The performance was all of us together being right here, it, no matter what else is going on. And he would occasionally say, he said, I have to take this audience on tour with me. This was part of his getting you involved part. And he said, so the first place we're going to go is Afghanistan. And then the next place we're going to go is Damascus. And the next place we're going to go is the desert in Sudan. And then we have a gig in Mogadishu. And he said, let's be grateful. Let's be grateful for where we are and how joyful this moment is. This is an inspiring man. So I invite you to not be addicted to being perfect. To find the joy in non-addiction. And above all, to find the joy in just being aware of this moment. Thank you. <laughs>